Hello. In this episode, I'm talking with Melissa Wittig of Healthy Interiors. Now, if you've listened to the Get It Right podcast for a while, you may remember Melissa from season four. Melissa is a health-focused interior designer. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about how to create your low-tox, sustainable home when it comes to interior design. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before I kick off this week's episode, I wanted to mention first that if you're listening from America, from the United States, there's only a little time left to grab the introductory offer on the Welcome Home course. What's the Welcome Home course? Well, it's an online course for American homeowners that will change the way that you build or remodel your home. I've been running online courses in Undercover Architect uh, for homeowners in Australia for several years now. Hundreds of homeowners have learned and have implemented a proven step-by-step system that I I've personally used in projects over the past 20 years, including three home remodels of our own. And I now teach that system to homeowners. And what happened was Americans started joining the Australian course. And I knew that when that happened, I actually needed to create, I wanted to create Americans their own version. So for the past 14, 15 months, I've been researching the American way of remodeling and building and understanding, you know, what I I know from a 20 plus year career in the industry, how that knowledge then applies to uh, and relates to what actually happens in America. And during that research, I've had the incredible benefit of connecting with some fantastic industry professionals in the United States. And as part of my research in the middle of this year, 2018, I actually traveled to the United States and I attended the American Institute of Architects National Conference. And then I met up with and traveled to Maine, where I collaborated with Eric Reinholdt of 30 by 40 Design Workshop to actually create the core content of the Welcome Home course. So Eric Reinholdt is an award-winning architect who's based in Maine, as I said, and he's worked on projects throughout the USA. Hilariously, he's actually also now working on Australian projects. And uh, and he has the most watched architectural YouTube channel with, at the time of this recording, it has over 250,000 subscribers. Now, Eric and I really wanted the Welcome Home course to feel like that you're stepping into Eric's design studio and you're joining us in a conversation about how to get it right when you're designing building or remodeling your family home. And so the Welcome Home course is structured around my step-by-step system, which I know works so well as a framework for your project. I've seen it work time and time again, both in my own career, in clients' projects, and now in hundreds of members' projects as well. And you know, at each step in the Welcome Home course, Eric and I actually go through how to action this step for your project, the key mistakes that get made and how to make sure that you're getting it right simply and with confidence. 
The Welcome Home course is a way to access over 45 years of combined industry experience and knowledge in hundreds and hundreds of residential projects in a super affordable and simple way. Now, I'm going to be talking more about the Welcome Home course, what's inside it, you know, how it helps in a future podcast episode. But I wanted to mention it now because we have a limited time introductory offer on the course that ends soon. We've just recently launched it and uh, and there's a special limited time introductory price as part of celebration the launch of the Welcome Home course. So if you're an American homeowner, head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash welcome home. And uh, I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. The introductory price ends in November 30, um, 2018, if you're listening to this live. So I've even had Canadian homeowners buy it. So um, it's it's deliberately dedicated and focused on that, on the American system. Um, but I know that For example, I've had New Zealanders be able to translate the Australian course to their experience and I think that Canadian homeowners could definitely translate the American experience to their their situation as well. Um, But definitely head to that website page and check it out. So it's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash welcome home. And for the Australian homeowners, I'm going to have some exciting news coming out really soon about the Australian version of the course uh, and what we're doing with that to make that available soon as well. That's been uh, only opening and closing at certain times. And I know that that's been frustrating for some homeowners. So we're working on some things behind the scenes and we'll have some news on that before Christmas as well. Okay. But if you want to hear about that, head to the website. You can wait list um, to be the first to know. Uh, When you go to the website, you can just see courses at the top. It's got all courses that Undercover Architect offers and you can go to the page and find out more information about each of the courses there. Okay, without further ado, let's dive into this episode and I want to introduce you to Melissa Wittig. Now, as I said, if you're a long-time listener, you'll possibly recall Melissa from season four. If you haven't listened to season four of the podcast, make sure you line it up uh, on your podcasting tool of choice because that season was called Know Your Professionals or Know Your Team. And in each episode, I actually talked to an industry professional that you may need to use when you're building or remodeling um, or renovating. And Melissa Wittig was our interior designer in that season. So she shared some great tips in season four about what you might need an interior designer for and how to work really well with them. I actually recorded this interview I'm about to share with you with Melissa a while ago, and I've been waiting for the perfect opportunity to share it with you on the podcast. Uh, It fits so well into our current season, A Simple Guide to a Sustainable Home. So I'm really excited to be bringing it to you now. As I said up front, Melissa is a health-focused interior designer. She's got over 15 years industry experience. Her work not only focuses on interior design, but also in helping homeowners understand how to make low-tox choices that create healthy interiors. And she's going to explain a bit more about what this means in this interview. Melissa's work and knowledge has been published in various publications, including Sanctuary, House and Garden magazines. She's also the author of several uh, award-recognized design resources, including a book called The Smart living handbook that's how I personally first found out about Melissa Um, I bought a copy of it Um, she co-authored this book with Danielle King and we're going to be talking more about this book in the episode as well so let's kick off the interview now so welcome Melissa to the get it right podcast I'm so excited to have you back because uh, last time when we chatted it was about the role of an interior designer on your renovation or new build and how you can use an interior designer as part of your team. But I knew I was only scratching the surface of what you could offer to the UA community in terms of your expertise around creating a healthy home. So I 
I was just so excited to be able to chat more with you about this and do a whole nother podcast episode on it because I know it's going to be something of real interest to the UA community. So perhaps you could just give us a brief intro about who is Melissa Wittig and Healthy Interiors. That's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in summary, um, today I'm sitting with my interior design hat on, um, but particularly health-focused interiors. So look at minimising environmental pollutants within the home environment. So creating a house that's beautiful, functional, but also supports well-being. And I think that this this sort of, you know, your business name is Healthy Interiors and you talk about creating healthy interiors. What does that actually mean to you? If you're explaining to somebody what a healthy, a healthy interior is, what, what does that mean? For me personally, it means that I look at my home environment and I consider the choices that I make um, as to whether the decisions I make have an impact on whether I inhale a pollutant, whether I ingest a pollutant or whether I absorb a pollutant. And for me, that can come in so many different ways, whether it's building materials and finishes or the, the consumables that I choose to purchase or the way that we function in our home and the daily activities that um, we do from a, a home maintenance perspective. So it's quite a... Um, complex dynamic I guess because I think for me as an interior designer and I'm in the business of helping people create homes where we choose materials and finishes wisely but it's also following through with how we actually live in our home environment and the things that we do things that we buy and you know how that all equates to protecting or minimizing pollutants for our health. Yeah and I think that this is something that's definitely on a lot of people's radars these days is just understanding how many um, things we come into contact with every day that may or may not be great for our well-being and our health and so you know like the makeup and creams that we might put on our skin the types of food and chemicals and numbers that we might Mm. ingest I think it may be a surprise or perhaps it's an inkling of an understanding but perhaps uh, not a very complete understanding about the building materials that we choose and the types of finishes and furnishings and uh, and fixtures that we put into our home when we're renovating or building mm. and the impact that that will have on the air quality in our home. And given how much time we actually spend in our homes, then the impact that that has on our personal health. So particularly for people who have allergies or are particularly sensitive to the quality of the air environment around them. Can you share with me what actually, you know, drove you to start your journey of understanding more about uh, the health in our homes and how to create a healthier home for ourselves? Yeah, I came into this really indirectly. It wasn't something that I set out to focus on. Um, I came about this from... It chose you rather than yeah, you chose it. absolutely <laughs> chose me and completely absorbed my career and took me in a new position, mm-hmm. put me in a new position. So, yet yeah, I... Um, had children um, quite some time ago. My eldest is 17. So um, back then um, when she was a baby, she started having respiratory issues and some health issues. We had purchased a 1950s home that we had renovated before I had her. Um, And I hadn't given any consideration to our home environment prior to having kids. 
So when I had health issues with our first child and then our second child, I started to investigate what I was using in our home environment. And that started with personal care products and foods and things like that to try and look at what allergy triggers that we had in our home environment that I just wasn't getting answers to. Um, in terms main... of your what, your, your, what you're putting on your skin? Yeah, and, yeah. It, mainstream medicine was only helping us with treating symptoms mm. and I was trying to work out why this was happening. I hadn't had a, a history of allergies in my family before. Why, why was I having two kids that all of a sudden had allergies and had respiratory problems? So I tried to sort of look at, yes, so things that we were bathing the kids in, foods that they were eating, um, personal care products. And um, I just so happened to, at the same time, start an interior design course at night while my kids were little. Because um, you had all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah. I was looking for some adult brain stimulation. Um, I had had Isn't a... it sad that you have to go and do that in the evenings? Yeah. I, um, the joke I, being a mum. Yeah. And I did. I love being a mum. Yeah. I love it. Um, but my background had been in the property sector and in asset management. And I really... I'm quite a creative person and I love the design side of things. So I thought it was a great opportunity to have a little bit of a dabble in something creative, start interior design study at night while my kids were really little. And, you know, hopefully by the time they were at school, you know, I had this dual career qualification thing happening. So I had set out to go into the interiors space, um, but I had this interior study happening at night on one side and then I had my kids at home with Becoming these challenges. A at home, thinking, yeah, yeah, just with these challenges and it didn't start out with building materials. I didn't get that aha moment until quite some time down the track. I'd sort of been focused on our um, consumables in the house and I'd, you know, cleaned all of that up, made better decisions from that perspective. But I got into a particular um, subject within my design studies of materials and finishes and they didn't touch on at all um, material safety data sheets or what was actually in a material or a product. So we were looking at paints. So those material and... safety data sheets are the things that actually come with every single material that you can purchase that lists out all of the things that are in it and how it's made. They do. So not yeah. readily, they're not usually readily available to the public. Um, you can ask for them. But, you know, so we started looking and exploring at materials and, and finishes, coatings and paints and, and that sort of thing. Um, and looking at them, um, I just you know, was sort of considering what's potentially in these things. So at that time when I was studying that subject, I was bathing my child one night and um, someone had given us a baby hamper with some shampoo, a very well-known product um, that's in the marketplace. And she was sitting in the bath and she was sucking on a face washer and I had just washed her hair. And I thought, oh, she shouldn't be sucking on that because it's clearly got shampoo in it. And I got out of the bath, got her dressed, and then I thought, I'm going to ring the number on the back of the bottle and just say, look, hey, my child has probably ingested a little bit of this shampoo by sucking on a face washer. You know, what do I do about it? Is that a bad thing? Um, I rang that number on the back of the bottle and the um, customer service person said to me, absolutely should not be sucking on any water that's got that shampoo in it. Even though it's a designated baby shampoo product, they cannot have any of that they can't drink any of that water make sure they don't make sure you use the baby shampoo at the very last point of a bath or shower rinse their body off before you take them out of the bath and I went okay well that just seems bizarre this is a baby shampoo I understand that it's not ideal to be sucking on it but to then be given the next level of advice, well, it should be the last thing you do at the end of the bath, rinse the child off if you've washed their hair in the bath and their body's coated in it. So then I thought, what's in this stuff? Mm. And so I started to look into the ingredients of this baby shampoo. 
and it had formaldehyde in it, mm-hmm. which horrified me because mm-hmm. then I started looking into, well, you know, what exactly does formaldehyde mean if it's in a baby shampoo? And then when you look at the, the data that the Australian government has out on formaldehyde as a chemical, um, which you can look up any chemicals that are in products in Australia through NICNAS, which is a, a government authority that mm-hmm. oversees chemicals in Australia. When I looked at that information, I was horrified and I thought, okay, so if there's formaldehyde in my baby shampoo, um, not only did it put me sort of more aware of products in my own home, I then thought, well, what's in our paints and coatings? Because I would have thought a baby shampoo's up there with what people monitor and look at. Mm. Um, So then I started to ask for material safety data sheets for the paints and coatings that I was studying in my interiors course. Mind you, the interiors course that I was doing didn't have a particular focus on um, that depth of information. So they didn't look into the health aspects of materials and finishes. And to my knowledge, there isn't any courses in interiors that are looking at that depth of information, but it was something that took my personal interest. So um, after looking at the material safety data sheets of paints and coatings that we had renovated our house with and our floor coatings that we'd renovated our house with and looked at the warnings on that data, I was horrified. Mm. And I thought, well, I've done all the things that so many parents do in preparation for our children. We renovated their bedrooms. So we put in new carpet, new paint, new blinds bought a new mattress, bought a new cot, and we had all of these new materials and finishes. So um, it then started to make sense that why we were potentially having some respiratory problems with our kids, for me anyway. I mean, it's, you know, you go to the doctor and they say, well, you know, what are you doing at home? But it was interesting that we were never asked if we were renovating or building. It's very much other lifestyle questions. Um, So that really got my interest and I thought, well, if I was going to renovate, if I want to look for paints or coatings or materials, is there a healthier option? So then I started looking at what materials and finishes were available to make better decisions, um, having that next layer of information. So it was really that um, parallel in my life of having children with some health problems or challenges at the time. um, with having an interest in trying to tackle that in our home environment, then coupled with design study that sort of threw me into yeah. this into this way of thinking and, yeah. and down this path. So, And I find that, that that journey is quite consistent with people who have reached this point and having that level of specialty kind of understanding in their industry because it does take a huge amount of work and determination to uncover that information I think in any industry, you have to be really naturally curious, willing to kind of keep knocking on doors and looking at information and joining all the dots. And so mm. when it's fueled by that personal um, motivation, I think it certainly does um, bring out that level of expertise in, in the industry. And I think too, it's worth mentioning, you know, I know that when, uh, I, you know, I've studied this information in my degree and throughout my career, um, you know, I did a lot of Olympic work and in the Sydney Olympics and that had, uh, there were sustainability things that we had to adhere to as part of that. And I learned a lot about it at that part, you know, that was back in 1998 sort mm. of thing. So, and I think, you know, you can have that initial reaction of, oh my gosh, what have I been doing? I'm a horrible person, I'm a horrible mother, I've just created, you know, this poisonous environment for my children. And it can be this gut-wrenching guilt of um, I should have known better. And I want to point out to you listening that 
it's even there's people right throughout the industry that don't understand this information. It's not readily available. Australia's residential, particularly residential construction and building industry, um, has very different standards to areas overseas. There's European countries who have banned formaldehyde in, mm. in their productions. Um, Australia still has what they consider safe levels. They are very low. But this is if this is something of interest to you, then there's certainly now avenues that you can explore to uncover more information. And there's a lot more products now available on the market too that can assist you with creating um, this type of environment in your home. And there's this great saying by Maya Angelou that says, when we know better, we do better. And it's really important that we don't, I suppose, punish ourselves for what we didn't know, but that when we do know something, we embrace it and let it empower us to make better decisions next time. So, you know, I think that that we can certainly make this a positive journey of discovery, of um, of of uncovering more information and and having better knowledge around the questions to ask and how to actually decipher this for ourselves. Would you agree? Absolutely. Um, it's about being your own best advocate. And we're living in such a global society now, so it's really just being aware of your choices. And as you said, when you know better, you do better. So it's you can't avoid all environmental pollutants. And um, as parents, particularly, you know, you want the best for your children. But you know, as you, once you do know better, there are ways of doing better. So, yeah. All right. So you've touched on it a bit in terms of your own personal journey of looking at materials and finishes that you put in your home. What don't we know when we're about the process of choosing materials and furnishes and finishes for our home? And, and what are the questions that we should be asking instead if we're wanting to create uh, a healthier home? I think um, one of the things I'd like to highlight is that with the buzzword of sustainability that's been around for some time, which is fabulous, I think building in a sustainable way is a really great way to go. From a health it's perspective, it's a loaded word, though, isn't it? It is a really loaded <laughs> word. Um, it means so many things to so many different Ooh. people, and in terms of um, healthy interiors I'd really like to highlight that just because a material is sustainable or it's a green material doesn't mean it's necessarily a healthy material so you there are they're two very different things and you really need to look at the material as a whole to establish whether it is a healthy material um, and an example I would give of that is um, perhaps some of the natural fibres. So if you look at materials and finishes that are made with bamboo, there are some better options than others. And if you consider the processing of bamboo, depending on what they're doing with it, um, bamboo is normally stripped and um, it becomes a composite material. So they have to add lots of things to it to create it, in to make a material with it. So you really want to look at what they've used as the binders and the coatings and what they've put into that natural fibre or material to create to that product. To get it to hold all together into a floorboard or into... Yeah, whatever yeah. it is that they've yeah. made. So bamboo in itself, you know, is really fantastic sustainable material it grows really quickly it doesn't take a lot of water there's lots of really great environmental attributes to it um, but when it gets down to whether it's a healthy material you need to have a little bit of an understanding or inquire as to how they've gone about making that material and what the coatings are on it yeah that's fantastic advice so in terms of you know, actual questions that we can ask suppliers um, or people that we're visiting is, are there key things that you recommend that we, I suppose, use as an interview basis or particular particular questions that, that a homeowner should ask when they're trying to get to the bottom of this information? 
Mm, I would ask and get an understanding of how something's made. Um, once you understand how it's made, it can actually sort of trigger some thoughts on, you know, is there something in this product that I don't want to ingest, inhale or absorb? And I think I say those three words because they're the the ways that pollutants can enter our body. So that for me is front of mind. And I just, you know, consider it when I have an opportunity to make a decision on something. It's like, well, is there something on this material that could potentially come off it um, in the form of dust? So we know with building materials and finishes, there are some that will release fine dust particles into our household, which can then just get, you know, thrown around with our ducted heating or, um walking through the property that sort of thing so it's to minimize dust pollutants so when I'm choosing materials and finishes I really want to know what is the material made from and whether that's going to potentially release any dust that I'd want to breathe. No that's great advice because I know that a lot of people um, with allergy sensitivities um, and kids with asthma and those types of things they're very concerned particularly about choosing certain types of floor finishes to minimize dust or to really manage that in their home and uh, and sometimes can make assumptions about things like that tiles are going to be better than carpet or you know those you know that, that kind of conversation and I know that um uh, from reading your your smart living handbook you know it was really interesting to read in regards to some of the recommendations around choosing materials if you do have allergy sensitivities there was some stuff that was that was counter to what I I know a lot of people assume about uh, finishes and and managing dust in the home generally so I think it's definitely worth checking out. If you're in this situation where you do have allergies um, you do need to look at it I guess from a slightly different perspective to creating a general healthy home but the thing I'd like to highlight is Creating a healthy home space is really just about reducing your body burden. So on a daily basis, we're all coming into contact with so many different things and creating a healthy home is just looking at the big picture and saying, okay, well, if I have a choice to make a decision between this product and that product, if I choose this one, I'll have potentially less pollutants in my life and that's a good thing. So it's really just if you don't have any allergies um, that you have to deal with um, or sensitivities with asthma or anything else like that, then it's really just looking at how you can go about minimising pollutants. Um, And that can be done by lots of different ways, whether it's materials and finishes or the way that you use your house. So. Yeah. And it is a case, isn't it, often of just having the alternative in front of you and it not necessarily costing any more, but just knowing the information that you need to know when you need to know it to make the best choice for your situation. It is. And I guess other than dust and looking at what sort of dust you bring into the home and that is contributed to by particular materials, indoor air quality, as you mentioned earlier, is a really big thing. So one of the things that I would look at with products um, there's something called a VOC or volatile organic compound and I guess I love it because it sounds the words volatile and organic just kind of don't seem to, no, they <laughs> to don't, go do together they? do they and the really short version of what that is is essentially just a fume or a gas that a material gives off and I guess the key thing there is that a VOC or a fume or a gas that comes off a product or material you can have an odour to that or there's times where you don't have an odour to that. So um, so that new paint smell yes. that, you know, or that new car smell, all of that is actually those VOCs, yep. those volatile organic compounds bombarding our, our system with pollutants basically. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. So the new home that you may typically walk into, you know, you will have a very strong odour for quite some months after a new build. So it's really looking at materials and finishes one by one to try and reduce the VOCs that will be um, off-gassing 
after you move in or after your renovation. And you can ask on a lot of materials and finishes, ask the supplier, you know, what's the VOC rating for this product and material? Sadly, a lot of retailers um, and people that are on the shop floor don't know this information, but they can usually get their hands on it. So that's something that I would recommend. It should be listed at a manufacturer level, shouldn't it? Yeah. So they should be able to give you some sort of documentation on um, what a product is, what it's made from, and they should have some sort of a VOC rating. So looking for materials and finishes that have a low VOC, whether that's um, paints, um, coatings that you're putting on materials and finishes. That What's sort of defined thing. as a low VOC? Like, is it a number range? Oh, or is I wish it... it was that simple. Yeah. It's quite a complex area, mm-hmm. um, particularly when you get into coatings. Yep. So it really, um, depending on the category of material that you're looking at, mm-hmm. they will give it their own rating and they may have their own classification scheme. So, for example, with carpets, you will find some manufacturers will have on their labelling that it's a low emission product. So if um, according to their industry standard, whatever that is, mm-hmm. you know, it will classify it as low compared to others. So okay. it's really looking at independent industries. It'd be amazing if we had some sort of a... An auditing a, body overall. Yeah, yeah. Or be, to have some sort of a classification scheme mm-hmm. across materials and finishes that, that looked at that. But unfortunately, we don't have that at this stage. Yeah. Okay. Well, Melissa, for the uninitiated, I reckon it's probably sounding like a bit of a minefield of, you know, I suppose, understanding how to read a material safety data sheet, how to look for the chemicals. I'll put a link to some resources that you've mentioned in the show notes so that people can start investigating this if they do uh, want some more information. Um, And I know too that uh, particularly the listeners that are curious about this they're also very tenacious so <laughs> it's literally like just uh, a case of giving a level of understanding and then they become data researchers themselves it's quite extraordinary so uh, so I suppose if you could just give us some tips about if this is something that you do want to investigate um, and you, you're wanting to kind of understand the big ticket items that you really should be targeting what are the key things you should be really looking at to make a bit of a dent in it you possibly can't do everything. You don't want to get overwhelmed and bamboozled by it all, um, but you do want to make a, a difference. What tips do you recommend um, to people when they're when they're heading on this journey for their building or renovation project? I think start with looking at the largest surface areas within a house. So looking at the flooring, what you're going to do with that, what materials you choose. Looking at walls, blinds and curtains. Um, considering the types of heating and cooling that you'll put into the home in terms of air quality. Um, Yeah, that'd probably be the the biggest areas that I would start with. So basically the ones that are covering the most amount of surface area around what you live in every day. Yes. Yeah. They've potentially got the most scope to have an impact in terms of dust that's created off those products or VOC contributors to indoor air. Okay. Um, and I know you offer healthy home consults. What happens in one of those? How does that process work for, for clients? My consulting is very much linked to the interiors work that I do. So it's um, usually in consultation with a client for a renovation or a build that we're doing. So it's really just considering the materials or finishes and looking at healthy options and trying to get sustainable and healthy options that... Uh, you know, do the same thing. Um, so we have a dual benefit there. So um, that's really how I I put it into the work that I do. I don't particularly 
um, go out there and do straight up, I guess, healthy home consults. I have done one or two in the past, but I, my core business is really interior design and, and looking at the, the health and attributes of that. And having that expertise overlay over yeah. the top of it. Fantastic. You've written a book uh, called The Smart Living Handbook, which is how I first found you. And uh, it's it's an encyclopedia of this information. So, um, you know, I found it fascinating in terms of it literally goes through not only all of the interior side, but it does talk about designing your home for orientation and nailing those big ticket items that are really about lowering your energy use overall, which then means you can lower your artificial heating and cooling and actually eliminate the need for that from from your environment to a certain extent and then goes through all of those uh, choices and selections and makes recommendations Mm. for them. Can you tell us a bit about, you know, why you wrote the book and the journey of writing the book and, you know, how you sort of see the book being used now? I wrote the book because I found that after researching materials and finishes for 10 years or a little over 10 years, studying it and working in the industry that I really wanted other families to have the information that I didn't have when my children were little. And I think the whole concept of body burden is very much that um, we do try and just minimise what we can when we can. And I think children are probably the most vulnerable in terms of their size um, and the impact that environmental pollutants can have on them. So For me, the book was a way of getting the information out there so that parents can make the most informed decisions that suit their budget, that suit their lifestyle, that they've they've got the capacity to make. I mean, we all can't build or renovate. um, So there's plenty of tips in there for people that are in accommodation, um, that are renting or that, you know, need to make some decisions within the lifestyle that they have to create a healthier home. But certainly the book does go in to materials and finishes for those that are building and renovating so that they have some sort of guidelines to navigate consumerism in a in a space that, as you said, Australia has some great um, safety guidelines, I guess, for products. Um, however, they perhaps don't have as stringent um, safety guidelines as some of the European countries do. So yeah, it's really just about becoming informed and being able to make a decision. So the book for me was really just being able to put all that information out there to try and drive some change. Yeah, and it's a fantastic resource. And, you know, I think too, it helps you actually understand when you do start researching these things that, you know, um, sometimes there may be something in a material but that doesn't necessarily make the material terrible until perhaps it's cut or, you know, something like MDF, for example, mm. um, in, a, in its existence on its own, it's actually not that bad because everything is contained. It's when it actually starts to break down or be cut without, you know, safety gear on and, and yeah. dust go places and things like that. So it's, um, you know, it's not all uh, worth, it's, I suppose it's not a case of panicking about everything. It's really understanding when you can use things, when you should be aware of them, when you should be careful about them, when you should actually just leave them out and having that understanding so that you can make those better choices because more and more the options and the alternatives are actually available now, aren't they? They are. They're available and they're fairly cost competitive. So it's really just having that information so you can make a better decision. And a lot of the materials that are available for sale can be used around a home. It's just knowing where is the best position to put them so that you're getting the maximum health support from the interior environment. And I guess the other reason um, that I put the book together was that the book does 
um, refer back to a lot of global information. So it really does highlight the connection between human health and the home environment, because I think that was one thing that I was quite shocked about when I started to get into government documentation that had been produced about the home environment, that it wasn't something that I had seen before. It wasn't something that is um, promoted widely in the places that I had been. Um, and I was just quite shocked that that information is in black and white in our government documentation and I hadn't heard about it. Mm. So it's really just highlighting in the book the organisations globally um, both from a science perspective and other independent and government organisations that say, hey, the home environment is important for human health and there's lots of things that you can do to support your own well-being. No, it's it's brilliant advice. And as I said, the book is an amazing resource and it very simply explains in a non-alarmist way uh, how to make better choices. And it is that case of when you know better, you can do better. And I think that... Uh, you know, this isn't really an all or nothing occasion. Um, building and renovating your home is a chance for you to create an environment around you that's going to suit you both functional, functionally in its feeling and its look. And if it can help you serve your health and well-being as well, then um, it certainly can tick a lot of boxes for you. So yeah, look, I think I look at healthy homes as a type of insurance, really. You know, there's lots of people that do have health challenges that would benefit from obviously reducing their environmental load. Um, however, you know, for people that are really well, it's about staying well and supporting your immune system and living in a, a healthy home with clean air. So it's as simple as um, we take out insurance for the what if and, and to support what may happen in the future. And I think having a healthy environment that we're living in really just does that. It, it creates a home where everyone can thrive. So, Yeah, and if you're making the choice anyway... And you can get the information to make a different choice that isn't going to cost you any more, but is uh, is actually going to serve you better in the long run. Then it's kind of a no brainer, isn't it? So... It is. It just makes common sense, and it's particularly when you're looking at um, sustainable materials as well. To to choose materials that are sustainable and healthy, it makes perfect sense for me to have a healthy home that you're living in, and then also not having housing stock on the market for the future that's toxic or potentially when it needs to get pulled down or renovated that you know, through the life cycle of the house and the waste that it may be one day that you're actually not creating something that's leaving a legacy of disaster. So for me, it all makes perfect sense. Yeah. And our houses do last for generations, don't they? So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we hope that they do. <laughs> we want to design them so they do. So, And that's, you know, one of the things that a good designer will look at is longevity of, of spaces and um, having livable spaces that are universally designed for different occupants and different occupant needs. Mm. So layering in healthy interiors and healthy materials and finishes to a functional home that can cater for a variety of people ongoing is, I guess, a designer's challenge. That's a great note to finish on, Melissa. Thank you so much for your time. You've got a wealth of knowledge and experience, both around interior design and around creating healthy homes. And I'm very grateful that you've been able to share it with us. Thanks very much. Wasn't that awesome? Oh, just a huge thank you to Melissa, Melissa Wittig. Uh, she shared some great tips about how to create your sustainable low-tox home when making selections for your interiors, uh, finishes and fixtures. And I think that there was such a wealth of information packed into that interview. And hopefully, uh, if this is something that you're interested in, it's given you a great launch pad to be able to start to understand a bit more about how to go about asking the right questions and finding out information so that you can make really informed and 
confident choices. Make sure that you head to the show notes or the blog. I'm going to have the links there to Melissa's website and also to be able to purchase her book if you want to. I actually find it's a fantastic handbook. I've just got it sitting on my desk and for me just to be able to pick up and and have a look. uh, She's got it really well organized for you to be able to make choices in a really informed way. I think it's, it's a really handy guidebook in that regard. Now, as I said up front, don't forget if you're an American homeowner to check out the Welcome Home course and to make the most of the introductory offer that ends on November 30. So the web address for that was undercoverarchitect.com forward slash welcome home. Now, that's actually the end of part one of A Simple Guide to a Sustainable Home. Now, because this this topic of a simple guide to a sustainable home and sustainable design is such a chunky topic, uh, I have I've broken it up into two parts. So part one, we've gone through some really core information about sustainable design, and I've got loads more planned for part two. It's going to include talking to some actual homeowners who have sustainable homes, who are building and 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 renovating in a sustainable way, and also industry professionals as well. You know why they do it, their experience, they're really you know going to share and dive into their knowledge, their learnings, so that you can really get an understanding firsthand what it's like to create a sustainable home. And I'm going to be kicking off that part two in the new year. Okay. So, um, and whilst I'm panicking slightly that we are so close to Christmas, (laughs) um, as I'm sure you may be too, um, I'm really looking forward to 2019 kicking off with part two uh, of A Simple Guide to a Sustainable Home because I know it's going to include some brilliant conversations that will be really helpful for your project. And I've got some other fantastic content planned for 2019. You may have seen a video that I shared on Facebook about a conversation that I don't think happens anywhere near enough. Nobody really tells you about this information until you're right in the thick of your renovating or building project. And that's the emotional part of renovating and building. The actual psychology of renovating and building it blindsides homeowners I've seen it time and time again in the 20 plus years I've been doing this it doesn't get discussed and it's something that we talk about a lot inside our membership and uh, in the courses And I really want to dive into it more and give you some tools so that you can be resilient and and, uh, have the right mindset when you go about renovating and building in a way that really sets you up to have uh, a great experience so that you can have the education and the tools and the knowledge you need industry-wise and, you know, step-by-step wise, but that you can also have your head in the right place and that you can be prepared to understand emotionally what might be happening for you because, you know, we, we totally underestimate the the uh, attachment that we have to what home means to us. Um, It's a big financial investment. So there's a lot of pressure that we take on in that regard. And we're operating outside of our comfort zone most of the time. And so there can be a myriad of things that are going on. Plus, you know, you're bombarded with lots of well-meaning advice about, you know, what you should or shouldn't be doing from people that, you know, mean well, but um, may not be giving you the best direction. And um, this this topic was prompted by a post that I saw in a Facebook group about somebody talking about this experience that they were having in their own project. And so I'm really looking forward to exploring this more on the podcast. And so I'm going to be bringing that content to you as well. Plus, loads more is planned. Really, really excited. Um, if you've been listening for a while, you know, I could talk forever about these, this stuff. So yeah. So, uh, now in the meantime, 
I've got a few special episodes coming up just in the lead up to Chrissy. We've got a few weeks on hand, so I'm going to be um, talking about a different topic. So make sure you tune in next week to find that out. And be sure, share far and wide to all you know uh, to listen to the Undercover Architect podcast because the more ears that I can get this knowledge into, the less, you know, the less that we'll be creating homes that don't work for us, the less mistakes and dramas that will be made when renovating and building, you know, the more happy and confident homeowners there will be actually enjoying the process and loving the finished homes that they create and you know I just think that that would be so awesome to make that happen and I know that you're spreading the word I have people tell me all the time that they started listening to the get it right podcast after a friend told them about it so keep doing that good work of sharing and shouting out undercover architect from the rooftops and I'm super super grateful for you for doing that and for being such fantastic ambassadors for um, for helping homeowners really get it right when they're designing building or renovating their homes a big big final thank you especially to you for letting me be your secret ally here each week until next time bye